What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, and manifestation. Today, you are in for a very special treat as I sit down with one of my favorite mentors from 2020, Jenna freaking Miller. Jenna was just on my Instagram TV, and we did this podcast before that, so we only gave you a sneak preview on my Instagram TV. So if you watch that and you're ready to go all the way in, then you are in the right spot. This podcast, we go all into feminine energy, embodiment, sacred sexuality, what all these words even mean, because these are words that I was not using in my vocabulary eight months ago. Jenna and I actually met in a mastermind and I was so drawn to her energy that I knew I wanted to work with her, but I just didn't know what she truly did. So I was like, hey, can we just book a session? I would love to see what all this feminine energy embodiment work is about. Booked the session and I was blown away. I feel like I all of a sudden healed years of things that I was holding inside my body. I mean, I was releasing and crying and journaling and the stuff that was coming up. I was like, holy shit, like Jenna has a true gift for me to only book one session with her and have that much transformation was, I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it. And obviously after that, I was like, well, I need to keep working with her. So I booked uh, one-on-one coaching with her and we worked together for about six months. And I'm not kidding. She transformed my life. I credit her to why I was able to attract a dream partner, and now I'm in one of the healthiest relationships I've ever been in. It's why I feel like when I launched my first course in my business, things took off without a hitch. I mean, it was almost unbelievable the amount of people that were signing up, how easy the signups were, how easy it was to run the course, the results I was seeing, not only within my clients, but within myself. And I was like, "Uh, what is happening? And I'm like, this is because of the work I'm doing with Jenna. She is telling me about how pleasure is my birthright, how I, my feminine energy can lead. And it doesn't have to be viewed as this weak, submissive thing that I used to think it was. So I could go on and on literally for like two hours about Jenna, but luckily we did a whole interview together. So you can hear about all her work, the transformation she does, the actual background of what she does, because Obviously, if you're listening to these words like feminine embodiment and sacred sexuality, like I didn't learn that in college. So she tells us how she got into it. I mean, this is a really juicy episode. You're probably going to want to take notes. No joke. Now, if you are listening to this episode or you watch my Instagram TV, then you know that Jenna is a guest expert in self-care queen. She is going to be leading a whole entire day on feminine embodiment and energy. So if you're curious about what this episode is specifically about when it comes to working with her, you want to join Self-Care Queen because it is going to be magical. I can already feel the transmissions that she's going to provide to us because she is a true expert at her craft. Uh, Like I said, I can't think of one thing that didn't happen in 2020 due to Jenna positively, like my relationship, my business, everything was because of Jenna. And that's why I wanted her magic inside of Self-Care Queen. So if you love her energy, you love this interview, you love the IGTV, and you just love in general what you're seeing and hearing, and you feel the pull to join Self-Care Queen, I highly recommend you do because we start in just four days, January 25th, and it's a five-day experience only running once. So I'm not selling this as a replay. I really like to contain the energy of the group and keep it intimate. And I like to channel the energy or the message of what I'm saying, share it with that group specifically, knowing that they were meant to hear it and then move on. 
I don't really love selling replays again, because it just feels like the energy of the group is very um, private and intimate and I want it to stay sacred. So that's why I don't like sharing replays or selling them after the fact. Now, if you join and you can't make one of the days and you need a replay, that's different. We will be recording them so you can always watch the replay if you have a work conflict or you just can't make it. But if you wanted to join after the fact and wait till it like goes on sale as a replay, that's not happening again because I want it to be a one-time experience. So basically think of it as a fun virtual retreat. It is going to be so juicy, so magical, so transformative. We are doing so many different things in five days from journaling, uh, multimedia expression. It's going to be all about like painting and drawing and audio and really expressing yourself, visualization and vision boards, guided meditations and dance parties, hyping yourself up. I mean, this really is like the biggest boost of self-care for your mind, body, and soul. And again, Jenna is leading a whole entire day inside of this experience. I think you are going to absolutely love this interview. You're going to fall in love with Jenna just as much as I did. And let me stop rambling because like I said, I could talk about Jenna for like three hours. So with that, let's dive into the episode. And if you want to join Self-Care Queen, you can enroll in the show notes, DM me at Chelsea Rife, or find the link in my bio on my Instagram. All right, let's jump in. Okay, everyone, we are back with Jenna Miller. She is my feminine embodiment coach, and I am so freaking excited to have her on. I tell her every day she is literally the reason why I'm in such a happy, healthy relationship and why I've been able to receive so much more in the last six months due to our work together. So thank you so much, Jenna. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here and thank you for having me. Let's kick off with what on earth does a feminine embodiment mentor do? Like, what does that word mean? Mm, Okay, yeah. So it uh, encompasses a fair bit, but I would say in essence, it's helping those who identify with the feminine energy. So we'll get into this, I'm sure, but we all hold masculine and feminine energy within us. Um, So I'm not talking about just specifically women here or feminine like as in, as in women. So feminine essence being could also be um, anyone else, non-binary or male that identifies with being feminine in their, in their core. Um, and I help them sink deeper into what that energy feels like. So how to embody more of that feminine range, how to see more of it as multidimensional and not just maybe what we've grown up um, and been conditioned to see feminine as, um, and really helping sink out of that head and into the body to really feel through things, um, to magnetize more into your life, right? To experience more pleasure, experience more joy, um, and really enrich your relationships. And that's what I do. I love it. And you just used a word that I pretty much picked as my word for 2021, which was embody. But Mm. I feel like I didn't even know what that was back in June. So what does that word mean to you? Yeah, so that's just taking anything really that you wish to um, tune into, I would say, um, and bringing that into the body. So a lot of the times we're thinking about, you know, wealth, or we're thinking about pleasure, and we're... um, it's our, a mental game, right? We're thinking about it. We're strategizing. We're taking notes, um, being a student of that thing. So say you're looking to really hone in on, on wealth. Let's use that as an example. Um, the embodiment of, uh, you know, bringing an embodiment to wealth would be, what is this, what does wealth feel like in my body? You know, how can I feel into the energetics of um, abundance 
within my vessel, like within my body. So um, does that make my shoulders fall away from my ears? Does that make my heart feel um, more expansive? Does that make the butterflies in my stomach settle down? You know, does that make me feel taller or stand up taller? Um, And really bringing in that into the body rather than in so much of the mind. I think, you know, 2020 was a shift for a lot of people to tune inward. And I think that's why the word embody has just, for me, at least it's really blown up and everyone's using that word because we're realizing how important it is to actually tune into how our bodies feel. Absolutely. And it's something that when you and I started working together, I come from the whole mindset coaching space about changing your thoughts and looking at your mind and how you speak out loud. So when we started working together, it originally was because I was like, wait, feminine energy and feminine essence. I don't even know what this all means. And then you started talking about, yeah, there's a lot that lives in your body. And interestingly enough, I had just watched the Goop Lab on Netflix and it did a whole episode on basically like trauma that's stored in your body and energy that's stored in your body. And then it all started to click. Like that's why people go to Reiki and do yoga and like do all these different types of sensual healing because it's like, yeah, your senses and your body and everything needs healing, not just your mindset. So it was interesting how all those pieces came together at once. And I remember you said to me during a session, like, I know you're so locked into like the mindset stuff, but there is something to be said about what's in the body. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until we really started doing those workshops together that I started figuring out like exactly what you were talking about. So can you walk us through um, some embodiment practices when it comes to feminine energy and essence? And and what does like a workshop with you look like? Yeah. So in, in a really simple sense, it's bringing a movement into the body. And I like to have it be intuitive. So in my um, sessions, either one-on-one or in a workshop kind of small group setting, it will be, you know, uh, prompting the people I'm with to start to bring movement into their body, but not with a ton of direction, not to say, do this with your shoulders or do this with your torso, really just starting to model some movement in my own body and allowing that the others um, to, to start to channel that within themselves. So that could easily look like sitting down to start and then just kind of bringing a bit of a sway into your torso. So almost like, um, I think of it kind of like kindergarten, you know, when you're sitting on the the play mat and the teacher's reading and, and maybe like you're singing a song and everyone's kind of like bopping around. Um, similar, not, I mean, similar, but not to that type of movement where you're just intuitively like dancing to the music or the beat or your own breath or your own heartbeat and allowing things to flow through. And so um, for me, my real area of love and and interest is within um, sensuality. So for me, that's adding in sensual movement. So what does... um, what does it look like for you to embody your own sensuality, your own sexuality? And that could be um, slow, more um, uh, more thoughtful movements, or that could be a little bit more assertive, a little bit more spicy movement. And yeah, it gets to be fun. It gets to be whatever you desire it to be. And then I feel like in a group setting, we kind of all play off each other's energy too. You know, one person starts to move and with their hands and then other people are inspired to create their own movement as well. Yeah, it's always so interesting to see what comes out when you let your intuition guide you. 
and really lean into that feminine essence and energy. And something that I want to get more into is what is feminine and masculine energy? Because I think most people listening hear the word feminine energy. And I used to think of two things. That's weak, submissive, dainty, docile, you know, all these words that would just basically be wrapped under submissive. And then I used to think masculine was like alpha mode, macho man, like, oh, if someone says that they're masculine, they're just like a macho man. And then when we talked, it was like, no, that is absolutely not what this is. And then you walked my group of in the Chaos of Confidence course through this and through several of your workshops that I've done now of like really the differences between what they are. And I would love for you to explain that and also what the wounded masculine and feminine is and then the divine, because I think that was the piece that clicked for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a beautiful kind of analogy. I know both of us are visual people and maybe um, the folks listening are as well. So a cool visual that I like to think of when I think about the masculine and feminine energy together um, in their more divine essence is a, um, a river bend. So the structure of the, the grass and the, um, the moat that the water gets to sit in is the masculine energy. It's really the backbone. It creates the container for the water to exist and move through. Um, and it's pretty uh, fixed you know a lot of like over time obviously the water is going to to shift the bend but um, for the most part it stays sturdy and strong and that's like the masculine energy uh, our our structure our systems our discipline um, our leadership that's the masculine energy then the feminine is that beautiful water moving through um, the water doesn't have a rhyme or a reason to where it's flowing it could move forward or backwards or side to side it's got ripples in it it uh, absorbs things along the way it bounces off things along the way it's really in this just beautiful flow of um, what feels good and where it's being called to go so that's a cool cool little visual of um of the two energies at play but if i were to describe sort of the characteristics associated with the masculine energy like i said it would be protective um confident strong honest um, it's rational it's purposeful um, this whole masculine energy it's really driven by purpose and um, its mission so that's a huge part of the masculine energy um, and that's why i think I'm sure we'll get into this, but that's why a lot of women feel very in tune with their masculine energy is because um, a lot of women are waking up to careers that just have a ton of purpose behind them, a, a huge mission behind them. Um, and that itself is really driving that masculine energy to to lead the ship. Um, and the masculine energy in its divine form really worships the feminine. So they work in co-creation as well. So, you know, in a work day, you could have your masculine energy leading your schedule, but then really welcomes in the feminine energy to have beautiful client calls or beautiful connections with people um, or to really hear people out and um, think of creative ways to do your work. So that's the masculine. And then the feminine is compassionate. It's really the nurturing um warm energy it um, is confident as well it's intuitive it's creative it's empathetic 
it's super abundant. Um, this energy really owns the pow- their power. Um, it's comfortable with their sexuality and their sensuality and tuning into that, the nuances of that um, lives in harmony with their cycles. So either the moon or their menstrual cycle and receives from the masculine. So they're open to receive from that masculine energy um, and that strength and that direction. Now, if we're talking about the wounded forms of these energies, these are maybe what we were saying kind of more in the beginning there, the dainty, um, submissive, what was the other word you said? Um, I don't even remember, just like yeah. passive and... Yes. Yeah. So the wounded feminine it can, it can look like that, right? Um, there's wounds that have caused that energy to feel that way and or to, to present itself that way. So the wounded feminine energy could look really needy or overly sensitive. You know, when people refer to something as like um, an emotional hurricane, um, that kind of energy. People pleasing is huge for the wounded feminine. Also gossiping um, will fall under that uh, energy of just feeling like needing to make others feel less than for yourself to feel good, Um, manipulative, insecure, jealous, and doubtful. Now the wounded masculine could look like ruthless. So just, you know, totally gut-wrenchingly ruthless, um, forceful, selfish, weak, egotistical, um, destructive even, and always uh, stubborn is another one. And endures and strives even when they need rest so pushing through pushing through pushing through even to the point of physical illness or um, exhaustion just having no ability to really say like okay I've hit my threshold here that's a really wounded masculine um, characteristic so fascinating because I think a lot of people that have corporate jobs can easily relate to half the things you just said in the wounded masculine and Again, to be crystal clear to everybody listening, that doesn't mean if you have masculine tendencies that you're like a tomboy or if you're, you know, a feminine, you're you're more in your feminine that you're like a super girly girl. Like that's what I used to think. I used to think very surface level, like superficially about all this stuff. And then when you describe the traits, I was like, wow, yeah, I was in my wounded masculine a lot in my corporate American job because that was the culture, like hustle, 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 get in early, skip your lunch break, you know, like stay later um, work on the weekends. And then I brought a lot of that into my own business of basically going till burnout. And it really wasn't until we started working together and me grasping the concept of what like the healed divine feminine looked like that I started to understand the importance But I used to get this wrong where I thought there had to be a perfect balance. Like it has to be 50, 50 on at all times. And I need to be able to turn the masculine off and the feminine on can you get into this concept around why it's not really 50-50 and not turning one off and one on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to reiterate too the fact that it isn't, these aren't, um, these aren't genders. These aren't gender roles. These are really energy that lies within all of us. Maybe not the wounded part, but you know, the masculine, the divine masculine energy and the divine feminine energy is within all of us, right? We can, we have leadership, we have direction, we have, um, compassion we have sensitivity it all lives in harmony within us so we're never just one thing um in terms of balancing at 50 50 most of us i think there's only like the statistic is like 10 percent of us have like a neutral essence so um you know 
we don't really lean either towards one way or the other, like masculine or feminine. Um, but for the majority of us, we have a core essence to us. So for instance, myself, I'm, my core essence is very feminine. Um, I, I'm very creative. I live, uh, by intuition, like so much. So, um, super empathetic. I really love connecting with people. Whereas I struggle a bit with systems and structure and then more of that, um, that masculine kind of backbone is, is more challenging for me. I really lean more towards the feminine qualities. So for me, and, and also in terms of sexuality, like I, I'm a feminine essence, um, person. So I'm attracted to uh, the masculine, uh, more more masculine presenting characteristics, which we can get into as well. But I would say that your core essence, either masculine or feminine, um, is really important for sexual polarity and for when you're looking to really create magnetic sexual experiences or have um, really passionate intimacy that's when the polarity comes into play and we've kind of come into this space and time now where we're almost neutralizing um our sexual essences so that you know right now we're living in a time where we're trying to create um an equal playing field right uh and that's been for for a while now but um women in the workplace trying to assert themselves to be leaders and then men trying to be less dominant to be more sensitive to tune into the subtleties of things to be able to come into more harmony within their relationships and the sexual polarity has kind of become a little bit wishy-washy so that's really my expertise area is how can we hone in on the subtleties of amping up our own essence so that our uh, sexual experiences and our, our our sexual energy can be magnetic. Does that make sense? Yes. It's so fascinating to hear all this stuff because I always tell you, we've been working together for six months and hearing it over and over again is still like hearing it for the first time every time. It's so, it's such an interesting world. And it's something I feel like, especially women, we need to learn about way earlier because we are so conditioned to grow up in a society where, like you said, now it's shifting where we are the independent people, we are becoming breadwinners, etc. That yeah. there still is that conditioning of like, either you need to do it all, like you need to be a mom and a wife and a CEO and this and that. And so we tend to then get into those masculine qualities or wounded masculine, when it's like, that's actually but you taught me like you do need masculine structures, like as a business mm-hmm. owner, yeah, you should have systems and, and things in place, but that doesn't mean you need to overwork yourself and run into the ground. And then, and then that will obviously end up playing out in your intimacy, which is just fascinating. So I would love to talk about sexual polarity. Can you explain what that concept means and what it is? Yeah. So if you think of anything in terms of like that, that corny saying, like opposites attract, um, it is so true when it comes to, comes to sex. So um, we really, to have that truly magnetic sexual experience, we want both the, the feminine energy to be present and the masculine energy to be present. And this doesn't look like man and woman, um, men holding the masculine energy and female holding the feminine energy. This could look like um, a same-sex couple. And one one of the, the individuals in that partnership obviously leaning more, uh, leaning to opposite ends, right? And so that... Um, that polarity is what's really going to create the magnetism for that sexual attraction to be super spicy and fun. Um, there's someone that's leading 
right? That's the masculine energy, someone the leading the experience. They're a bit more of the dominant energy. They um, are planning maybe the date or the evening that um, you're getting together for. And the feminine energy is um, really open to receive. They are um, in surrender to that directional energy. They are... um, Uh, heart is open, you know, they feel um, in flow with their body and their surroundings. And then that fun dynamic is what creates these really uh, spicy experiences. You'll even see this if you now are aware of it, you'll be watching a film and you can kind of pin, you know, who is, even if you're watching a same sex couple be intimate, you can pin like who is the more masculine energy in that dynamic and who's the more feminine. It's kind of like a fun little game. At least I like to play. (laughs) Love it. So let's say someone, let's say especially, because I think people listening, like I did in the beginning, was think, oh, because I'm a girl, I need to be in my feminine. And like you said, it's not gendered, but that's what we think. Well, the guy needs to be in his masculine. I need to be in my feminine. So can you walk us through, I guess, scenarios of like what it looks like for a woman or like a same-sex couple to be in her divine feminine or divine masculine leading these sexual experiences or being the one to be more of like the softening and receiving mm-hmm. end of it. <clears throat> yeah. So if you were the masculine partner in this situation, and this is why, you know, uh, the dynamics of like um, being a dominant or being a submissive is kind of fun and like interchanging between the two uh, in the partnership or in, with it, with any of the, your sexual partners, but, um, having one person be more of that dominant energy. Um, and that's not to mean like physically rough or anything like that, but, um, they're the one that's, is, uh, like I said, making the plans, um, maybe they're, um, a little bit more like they're, uh, they're lifting you up. Like they are, um, creating a little more direction with, Um, pulling your hair back or pushing you against the wall right and if you I mean when I talk to my girlfriends and they're like okay I want my partner I want to have hotter sex Um, I would just love for him to like ravish me in the kitchen right like I'm I'm doing something and then all of a sudden we're in like this throes of intimacy now what has to happen there is you have to have the let's say in a, a, um, a female male situation here so the man is creating that direction in the sexual um experience and then the female is really truly like opening herself up to receive that person so um the opposite would be the woman uh shutting down that that encounter and i mean you have to be open to it you have to be consenting you have to be wanting that experience right but say if that really does turn you on if that's exciting to you if that play feels good in that moment then it's leaning into the space of being like yes you can take me like we can have we can have this experience it's kind of like exhaling and leaning into the moment rather than creating um like a stiffness or um a almost like an armor between you and that other person who's trying to connect with you. So I do help a lot of people in that situation that I just told you about where um, someone is wanting to initiate sexual intimacy and then the other partner kind of shuts it down. Um, There's a ton of reasons behind that. Some of that leaning towards the wounded energy as well. Um, That would be a case-by-case situation. But really, truly, the feminine energetic looks like opening to surrender and the masculine energy looks like direction and um, uh, pursuing. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. 
You know what I totally forgot to ask you before we got onto all this is like, how did you get into this work? Because this is work that I said, I think we all need to learn when we're literally a preteens. And it's so fascinating that me as almost a 30 year old woman is learning this stuff. So where did you pick it up? And where did you learn all these concepts? And how do you how did it become something that you wanted to teach? Yeah, so I think it was always an interest for me. Like I, um, relationships has always been something that has fascinated me and um, intimacy has always been really interesting to me. So I grew up in a household with my father as a physician and my mother as a spiritual mentor. So I was kind of this like this blend of science and um, spirituality. That's truly, I think, is the backbone of how I've landed up here. But um, I... I mean, I self-studied for so long just as a, like the books I read, um, the things I watched, the things I tuned into was always um, this type of material, right? Like how to enrich your relationships. I loved Cosmo as a young adult, which I now realize was kind of problematic, but um, I loved like magazines on like sexual intimacy and um what this stuff looked like. And then I went to university. I studied studied psychology, sorry, sorry, um, and sociology and just really having a lot of fun learning about people and how people interact and how our minds think. And then I studied human sexuality um, in university and, and it was sort of more of that um, medical guise of this is what sexuality is. And I was like, okay, we're talking about all of the anatomy here but where is like the heart in these connections like where is the heart in these conversations that's really bridging people together so once i left university i just really started um a a, like a decadent self-study into this work um and living it myself right um looking at my own masculine and, and and feminine um relationship what was there what needed some support what needed uh like my attention. And then I also did study Tantra for a period of time, Neo-Tantra, and just dug into the art of sacred sexuality. So what it looks like to go beyond just intimacy to get off um, and really intimacy that is nourishing, that is um, supportive, that is transformational. And I would say, so it's a bit of um, university education mixed with my upbringing, mixed with just a, a genuine feeling like this is the work that my soul was put here to do. Oof, yes, I have goosebumps because I know it's what you're here to do. Like we talk about this all the time. This is your life's calling. You are so unbelievably embodied in it and such an expert and such a warm presence. I think that's something that a lot of coaches miss it's very tactical and like here go do this and go do this where your energy is just so warm and receiving and such an amazing mentor i'm so happy our our paths crossed in the last year um and it's been so helpful because we can get into some scenarios in a second because i want to be able to relate this back to some people listening but i know some people listening probably just heard a word that i know i heard and i was like why are these two words going together is sacred sexuality <laughs> Like yes. I heard that word. I was like, I don't understand. Sex is this like, you know, I know it can be intimate and loving, but like, how can it be sacred? Like I hear the word sacred and I think of church and religion and God. And I'm like, sex is not part of that. Like, you know, you grow up in these things, like don't talk about sex, don't masturbate, don't do this. So what on earth is sacred sexuality? And, and what does that mean? 
Yes, for sure. So I would say, you know, there's so many things that muddy up our opinion of what um, our sex and our sexuality is to us. And that's the media and medical, um, medical advice and medical ads and our time in doctor's offices. Um, And like these things create all this stuff on top of what is truly just our birthright, right? Pleasure is our birthright. Um, we are all birthed through sex. We are all birthed through, through a womb. We all, um, our bodies are meant to experience pleasure. So for me, it's a, it's a coming home of those things. And it's a reminder of what our bodies are actually here to experience. And that is um, that is pleasure and that is connection. Um, and that is the feel good stuff. And that does include sex, right? And that is such a, a, um, one of those things that we always like put behind a closed door and we say like, this is off limits, but it's such a part of our human experience here. So the sacred part of it is this, um, returning to its core purpose. And, um, for me, sacred sexuality really is um, bridging like the spiritual essence of of you as an individual um, living out your earth walk and bringing in the sensual sensuality to it and I've heard mentors of mine say things like you're never really truly like deeply spiritual unless you're also sexual because we are sexual beings Um, and I know that this will trigger some who are listening but I just experienced I encourage you to explore that. I encourage you to explore what your relationship is to sex and is there room for the sacredness of um, just the pureness of your body, right? Your pure, um, beautiful body that was that was placed here for a reason for you to experience the most uh, vibrant um, like time here in this body. Um, that, yeah, that's what I would bring it down to is I know it, it seems weird to have the word sacred there. And that may mean that we need to look at maybe your relationship to, to what source or what God is to you um, and create more room for you in that relationship. Ooh, yeah, I know. Definitely myself and I'm sure people listening grew up thinking sex is something you do when you're either really drunk or you know it will feel good maybe once you get married and when you have a a baby it will feel more meaningful and the concept of it just being like pleasurable just to be pleasurable I swear was a concept I learned in the last six months like I was like wait what like I thought it you know it had to please somebody or um you know it was it would feel better once I'm in a more a serious relationship. And I think that's with my own sexual experiences. That's why I have those ideas. So if someone's listening and they relate to some of the wounded, either masculine or feminine tendencies that you were talking about, whether that's insecurity or jealousy or anger or anything, and they want to work on improving their, you know, pleasurable experiences, like what's something they can do or what's a practice or a thought that they can choose to start really leaning into sex as this, like you said, pleasurable experience versus something that just feels like, uh, I don't know, a chore, like a checklist that you have to do with your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will come back to the religion thing for a minute. Cause I think it's important and, and to give 
space for people to to have their own experience here. But um, and when I mean sexuality, it doesn't have to mean partnered sex, right? If your belief system, if your core values mean that you know you you wait until marriage or, or another time in your life um, to embark on that journey, then that's beautiful as well, and that's that's your divine timing. Um, so there's space for that. I'm not telling anyone to dismantle those beliefs. What I am saying is, how can you um, attune your relationship to your own body, your own, I always love to call it a sacred vessel, your own being, um, and seeing it in its subtleties, in its little um, quirks, and pour love into your own body so that you can you you step into more of your fullness, right? And that doesn't have to mean masturbation. That doesn't have to mean self-pleasure. That could just mean even just um, approaching your skin with more kindness, with more of a slower touch, with um, giving yourself a hug, giving yourself a warm bath that feels nourishing, right? There's sensuality in things that have nothing to do with partnered sex. And I just wanted to make that clarification because I think um, someone out there may need that. Um, yes super important so yes to answer your other question if there is sort of the woundedness in um in any of and in, in any of the things that i'm talking about here say you know you're a feminine essence being and you're feeling kind of that more wounded feminine energy where there's gossip or there's people pleasing um or you feel like you are manipulating people around you right those would be the qualities that would be more um wounded feminine the first thing is to bring presence to it and to ask yourself, like, why? You know, um, if you feel like you are someone who is maybe uh, gossiping a fair bit, like asking yourself in just a still moment, like spending some time alone, breathing, maybe bringing out a journal or even just meditating and just being like, well, why do I do this? What is this action providing me? And is there space for this to change? Like, is there space for me to grow into a different relationship with how I see other people? And oftentimes the gossip um, narrative comes in because we aren't fully um, in love with ourselves, right? We don't fully see ourselves as these beautiful creations. So we start to kind of distract with other people's BS, right? We kind of like, we pull into the narrative of what other people are doing and we judge them because really, truly, we want to avoid having to judge ourselves. And we only judge others as much as we judge ourselves. So if you're distracting yourself with that type of behavior, um, maybe just spend a couple moments like with yourself saying, um, what do I judge myself for? And does this, can I let this fall away? You know, does this have to stay here? Um, and is it serving a purpose? And most likely it's not. Um, maybe there's something you can learn from that and take away from it. Um, but probably it's something that you can say no to. And that's going to be a practice. That's not, you know, you make one decision once and it never happens again. It's just coming back to center every time. So even myself, you know, I consider myself someone that, you know, doesn't like to gossip or doesn't like to, to pull into drama. But Sometimes around certain people, I'll, I'll fall into those things. And then I just think, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. And I apologize to the people I'm with. I say, okay, that wasn't right. Or I'm so sorry for saying that about Chelsea or whatever. Like that was my ego or that was something not pure, not divine. Um, and just correcting course. So we're all human. <laughs> we're going to mess up. Um, but I would say acknowledging it, 
asking that thing what it's there for, what it's serving a purpose, especially if it's a wound, there's usually a reason we put it there. There's a reason it's in place to protect us um, or to make us feel better. Um, and then choosing how we want to move forward. Love that. So, so fascinating. What about in in the sexual experience realm with both the divine feminine and the divine masculine? Like, what are some fun ways that people can basically activate that energy? Like you, you were talking about it a bit earlier, but I'm wondering if there's, you know, maybe one or two things. Like I remember one time you told me of like, I don't know, maybe you could try the, the, the role playing or, you know, maybe just try this. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't think of that. So what are some of those tips that you have for people listening and, and ready to spice it up in the new year? Yeah, if you're in partnership right now, um, I would encourage you to um, set some time aside for an evening with your partner where you discuss your desires. Like you, you leave you set the foundation to say, okay, we're going to talk about the things that interest us and we're curious about, um, and that would feel exciting to us. And then, um, you know, create the space where we're going to say, there's going to be no judgment here. It's just a yay or a nay for me. So, um, someone could come, you know, say, um, I wrote a list of things that I was interested in. And then my partner, you know, one of them was like a hard no for them. Then that's all they had to say is like, um, because you never yuck someone's yum, right? And I think when we do that, we create so much shame and so many stories that then people feel like they need to do things in private or without you. Um, but there's a way for you to say a, like a sacred no without making that other person feel bad or feel gross for something that they are interested in. So that lays the foundation. Um, I would think of things like maybe um, props or toys, or like we said, um, outfits, you know, some really fun way of just like dressing up and, and putting on a different vibe. Because especially with quarantine, like if you're living with your partner, all, all of it's experienced in, this, in the 24 hours with your partner, right? They're like your, they're your mentor, they're your emotional support, they're your lover, they're your teacher, they're your you know, dinner buddy, like they're all of these things. Um, and your intimacy should be this fun expression of stuff that's not the everyday stuff. So sometimes like coming into a little bit of a character or like we've talked about lots, like the archetypes, um, stepping into those kind of creates this cheeky new energy that your lover gets to meet that's not like daytime Jenna, like Jenna that's um, doing her book work at the kitchen table, right? Um, so that would be a fun one. Um, I would say that just writing out a list of the things that you do desire. Um, there's lots of stuff like you and your partner could even just do a browse of a book or um, a resource that's online that's kind of like a sexual bingo. So just different things that are available. Um, and you could just say like, I'd be open to trying this or I wouldn't. You could print those resources um, so like a sexual bingo card and then both fill them out kind of without each other and then come back together and just be like what what do we have in common here really avoiding the things that maybe freak you out that your partner maybe said yes to because at the end of the day 
we all just like things because there's some reason attached to it, right? And I think that sometimes we get scared to explore the unknown with our partners for fear of things changing or being different, especially if it involves like a threesome or other other people being invited into your sexual experience. But remembering that you always have that sacred no to say like, that's actually not for me. And I'm going to need you to honor that no within within me. So yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you even open up that conversation if you're someone that hasn't even had these conversations, but you, let's say you're like, oh, I want to try role playing, but I just know my partner's going to shut it down. If you were in a coaching session with someone, what would you tell them to open that conversation up? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think um, it would be a little bit like uh, interesting to, I would need a bit more context, I think, um, because either you're bumping up against your own stuff and your projected stuff onto your partner, or as genuinely your partner has in the past been um, shut down you. So like I was saying with the shame part of like the, you know, don't yuck someone's yum, um, like they maybe in the past you've brought something up in passing and they didn't really take it seriously and they kind of like shrugged it off especially with feminine essence beings like we're so sensitive and we're so the subtleties of things will really throw us so um if like you you brought up okay let's bring in toys to the bedroom because you walked past like a sex store and then they like kind of jokingly like passed it off or didn't really acknowledge what you were saying and then you internalize that as like oh my god they don't they they you know I feel embarrassment I brought that up and then they said no Um, and you start creating stories about that then that's one thing versus um, that person like repetitively being unopened to anything that you ever have to say or you attempting to have these private conversations in private you've tried to bridge a uh, a dialogue between you and them and they've just been like totally shut off so if that's the case like there's only so much we can do as one side of a partnership um I think laying the foundation for a safe conversation so for most of us that looks like privacy Um, you know, just the two of you having a conversation Um, in a relaxed situation. I wouldn't try and bring this up, you know, in the middle of their workday, since we're both, you know, most of us are, most of us are working from home. Um, We don't try and bring this up in between like office calls and then try and slip in that conversation. Really have a situation where you have presence. Um, You've created a, a safe space as much as you can for the two of you. And then just saying, hey, I wanted to chat about something with you. Um, do you have like, would you be open to that tonight? Like I wanted to talk about our sex life or I wanted to talk about something that's important to me. Um, could we have, you know, uh, a date night tonight inside that um, we could explore some some new stuff for our partnership? Um, that would be my advice kind of vaguely. Uh, not knowing the peoples. No, it makes so much sense. It's, I think a lot that we don't even realize does come from past relationships that we do project onto the current partner where we just think, oh, well, you know, when I was 19, this guy didn't want to do this. Or when I was 21 and drunk, this guy wanted to do this and I didn't want to do it. And so then all of a sudden in our new partnerships, we're like, well, they must not want to, or I'm going to be crazy if I ask this when it's like, actually there's if there's trust and communication and honesty like it's something to put on the table and like you said see what their experience is and and try to come to a compromise or see if you can just try something new 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It's like so much of our conditioning is like you said, yeah, those past relationships that, that create that stickiness within us that make us feel certain things about, um, you know, we often project a lot of stuff onto our current partners from old, from old interactions. So um, even just coming home to yourself, having a, a quiet moment with yourself to kind of think through maybe the things, the thoughts that are there. Um, some journaling practices, working with a mentor like myself, if that's something you're open to, or, you know, participating in a, in a, an intimate workshop type setting where you can actually explore what's there for you so you know what you're working with. Um, because it is our responsibility to navigate our own stuff, you know, what we, what we have there present before kind of expecting our partners to heal all, right? I think we sometimes pr- uh, put unrealistic expectations on our on our partners to um, know all the keys and all the buttons and all the things but that's not always that's not fair right right now what about people that are single that want to spice things up for 2021 they don't have a partner they're not seeing anybody they are just single and want to spice it up mm-hmm. yeah um, I would say first of all, starting with presence um, would be the best thing. So just even navigating what's here for me, what's, what's, what's working in my intimate sex life with myself or um, virtually or however you're connecting with your intimacy. Um, So what's working and what's not, I would, I would make a little journal of of that. Or if you don't feel good journaling, even just um, a little quiet time thinking about those things. Um, and then make make a desire list, right? Just like I talked about for partners, it just, you wouldn't have the, um, your partner, your partner's point of view, but you could definitely write down your own desires. Um, kind of like, again, you could do that sexual bingo situation of what feels good for me. Um, you could invest in a, um, a resource like OMG. Yes, is a really cool platform, um, which has to do all with female pleasure. Um, so if this is a female listening that wants to learn how to navigate her body, um, in a, in a fun, different way, you'll learn tons of different ways, how to self pleasure. Um, and, to spice things up that way, right? We kind of get into patterns where we're doing the same things because it works. But what if there was a whole other like avenue that you could branch out into that would invoke a bunch of pleasure for you that you didn't even know existed? So um, sometimes just cracking open to resources like that, um, diving into a book. Um, I know um, Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski is a really great book if you're working through some sex stuff with yourself that you just want to navigate like your your relationship with sex and um you know if you feel like it's hard for you to orgasm or you feel like you don't understand your body I loved that book it's a really cool one um it's pretty sciencey as well so there's that um or just yeah working with like a mentor if you want to chat with someone else who can just maybe crack open your mind to the possibilities of what else what else lies, you know, what else is available for you to, to tap into? Yes. I cannot express enough how much working with a mentor has helped you all like working with Jenna. I didn't know what to expect, right? You hear these words, sacred sexuality, feminine embodiment. And I'm someone that comes from a world of like deep into the healing. I mean, you know, went to my yoga training, did meditation, got my palms read tarot card readings, like every other week, you know? So when I heard of this world, I was like, I don't understand if it's about sex. How can I work with a one-on-one coach? You know what I mean? Like it, I could not visualize what that was. And what our sessions are, are really like 
well, what do you desire out of partnership? And what are some fun ways we can activate that? Or what's going on in your relationship that we can work on softening? And that's something that our, our sessions are not just about sex. I would actually say most of them were not about sex. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. It was more about communication styles. And I remember we had a very specific conversation around, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was basically essentially not using sexual manipulation to get what you want. So we hear this all the time, especially in, you know, Cosmo, like you said, a bit problematic and, and some media and, you know, jokes on the internet, like, Oh, just give him a BJ and he'll go do the laundry or, you know, if you want this, go, go do this. And can you explain why that actually isn't helpful or really healthy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. That's something that really does like invoke a, a big <laughs> emotional response for me is that emasculation of specifically of men um, and sort of that manipulation tone that is that wounded feminine being expressed. That's like the advice that, you know, columnists are sharing with us or um, influencers are sharing. And it's like that's that's not heart centered. Right. To make someone feel bad about. Uh, you know, I'll use the example of like your partner's doing a lot of video gaming, right? And that's like pissing you off. So you decide like, oh, we're not having sex for this week or this month or whatever, or you're going to be cold to them. Or, um, you know, you create a little like manip manipulation tactic to get what you want through, through, you know, your, through many means, obviously you can do that, but, um, is that really moving you forward to a space where you want to be? Is that really calling in more love and more intimacy in your partnership? No. And um, I think just reminding ourselves that, especially with emasculating men, like that's not going to that's not going to raise you higher in your vibration towards what you're looking for. Um, and if you're really truly looking for a man that's going to lead you, and I'm talking about female men dynamics right now because I think that is. Um, a big part of where that manipulation like undertone of sassiness comes from um, is in heterosexual relationships. But if you're, if you're really looking to call a man into his power, don't constantly chip away at it, right? Don't constantly make him feel like um, he's not enough for you because that's going to cause him to shut down. That's going to cause him to turn away from you, from the partnership, from being vulnerable, from, um, wanting that intimacy with you and that's truly kind of more of that wounded masculine energy so that would be creating the opposite of sexual polarity because you're both kind of butting heads with this masculine like um force and then there's gonna be none of that real chemistry so that's when you neutralize the polarity in sexual experiences and then kind of become roommates rather than lovers Ooh, yeah that is something i'm sure many of us in quarantine can identify with of like, oh no, did we just become roommates? Are we fizzling out? Or like you said, just starting to use those manipulation or emasculation tactics. And it's something that some of us don't even realize we're doing it, right? It's just what we pick up. And like I said, the media or your own parents or your own friends. So you think it's normal and then it does play out in your intimacy. So it's something that's been so helpful. And, and something else we talk about in our sessions too is like, if we're getting back into the sex conversation is like Jenna's not Jenna is so non-judgmental that I can tell her like hey I kind of want to try this in the bed with my boyfriend like how do I talk about this with him or 
you know, what does this mean? Like, how can we, how can I practice this on my own? And it's an experience I've never had, right? All my coaching has been like, hey, let's take out your notebook and do these five things, or it's for business, like go do these strategies. And so with you, it's like very energetic and very open dialogue. And it's something that um, I think everybody could use, especially when it comes to communication. There's also another example I want to bring up because I know probably anyone in a heterosexual relationship, maybe even same-sex couples can relate to this, the conversation around flowers. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this conversation where women want flowers, right? We love flowers. Like we want them on our birthday, on Valentine's Day, when something cute happens. Like, I don't know. We just love flowers. It's just such a big symbol. And when we don't get them, we start to be really annoyed. Like, what the fuck? Why isn't he getting me these flowers? Or like, hey, are you going to buy me flowers? And it just becomes this fight instead of this beautiful exchange of, of like a symbol of love. So let's say someone's listening and they're like, flowers is just the example. Well, let's say it's something specific that they're they're hoping for, whether that's help around the house or I don't know, doing the laundry, right? How can we ask for that without, like you said, doing that chipping away and nagging and then like demanding it out of our own desire? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind, um, and I'm sure we talked about this as well, but is there some, are you looking for something that you can source yourself? Right. And and this maybe not applies so much. So to the, the flower, I mean, it could for sure, but, um, is there something that you were desiring that you could gift yourself first to really empower yourself to say like, I have myself, I have my own back, you know, like I have my own needs that I know how to um, meet. And this comes back to like orgasms a lot too, right? Like people wanting to, their partner to just know everything, like know every button, everything that works. Um, But they don't know themselves. Like they haven't explored what that looks like for them. They haven't explored self-pleasure in a way that um, feels good for them. So then they're looking for this thing that they don't even really have within their own intimacy to self. So First of all, is it something that you can find, that you can source for yourself? The second thing that comes to mind is a genuine expression of, of what, what that means for you. So if we go back to the flower example, um, like your partner, you know, it's your birthday um, and maybe they didn't get you anything but a card, right? And it's like really bumming you out because these flowers for some reason are really important to you. Well, you've acknowledged, okay, acknowledge first, like why the flowers mean something to you. And, and that could be maybe from the past, or maybe it's because you've always seen, um, men in rom-coms bring flowers. Like what does that flower symbolize for you? And then just bringing your genuine heart to the partner to say like, um, my love, like this means a lot to me. Um, and it would be very special for me to receive this from you. Like, you know, it's not a, not coming from like this emotional um, hurricane of a reaction. Like, I can't believe you didn't do this for me. Like, you know, that was that one thing, but maybe you never even mentioned that flowers mean anything to you. So offering your heart to our partners to say like, these are our desires is very powerful. But we often just expect them to um, to know, which isn't fair, right? And you could play that same thing back. You know, if it's um, if your partner wanted flowers from you, like, do you even know that right now, right? Like, if we 
maybe the flowers isn't a great example for what your partner would want, but if there was something that your partner genuinely really would have loved on their birthday or on their Valentine's Day or on a time season in their life when they're really working hard, you know, maybe it's a little note left on by their sandwich at, at lunch or whatever. Um, if they had something that they really wanted and you were in you're coming from a really loving space, you obviously would would care, right? Mm -hmm. So why do we make the assumptions that our partners don't or that they don't, they're not, they're doing it out of spite. So dialoguing, um, asking yourself if you can source that for yourself, asking why that feeling is there is really important. Um, and then just loving communication, not heated communication, but from a present heart to say like, this is what's here. And I owe it to you to tell you what's on my mind. I love that. I love the whole concept of we have to really think about like, do I really think he's doing this to spite me? Like, ha ha, I'm not getting her flowers. It's like, yeah. no, I don't think so. Or else we probably wouldn't be in partnership. It's just a conversation and, and expressing yourself. So that's something I feel like I've really learned with you is expressing myself. I don't, I thought I was expressive because I have a podcast. I like to talk. My, my, uh, background is in broadcast journalism. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm an expressive person. But when it came to expressing my desires in a relationship, that was like a whole new world. I have had so much trauma. And I, I use that word because I know, let me take a step back. I know people think the word trauma usually is something big like car accident or parent died or abuse. But trauma can be anything in your life that caused you to start doubting yourself or something that really happened that made that impact that you started to completely question your beliefs and how things worked. And a lot of my trauma was around relationships and expressing what I wanted and being shut down or being told that's crazy or I'm less than or whatever the case is. So in my mind, I thought that was true. Like if you express your desires as a woman, you're crazy or whoa, that's too much or you know, that's slutty or whatever the case is. So if someone is relating to that experience, what, how would you help them in, in overcoming those past experiences and not bringing them into their current day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, a huge theme, I think, for, for especially for women right now. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the people pleasing comes out of too, is because, and maybe you can relate to this, but like, you've seen your mother do it. You've seen your grandmother do it, like bend over backwards for the people in their lives just to make sure everyone's comfortable. And then at the end of the day, they're like exhausted, haven't taken care of themselves and like, you know, doing dishes. I, I don't, I, I don't know if that, I'm sure there's people listening that can really relate to that. Um, but we see what this, this feminine role looks like, um, in a, um, in a, in a social construct type of way. And these are our teachers, right? So if you can do one thing that's really powerful is observe the way that you've seen love and relationships expressed for you in your life. So with your parents or your your primary caregivers, um, and then extend that to your grandparents, um, maybe your aunts and uncles, like those who are around you, any, any of your huge role models, um, and just see how love and relationships were presented. That's going to give you a whole insight into a lot about yourself. Um, so for instance, like, you know, so we often think like the way that we were taught something is like the only way it's done. And this happens a lot with partners in cooking, right? So you, um, you move in with your partner and you're chopping an onion 
and your one partner's like, okay, no, it's not done that way. Like it has to be done this way. And you're like, absolutely not. Like this is the more efficient way. Like this is how it's done. But you're both coming from your position of what you've been taught and what you've been conditioned as the quote unquote right way of doing something. And this happens a ton in intimacy and in lovemaking and in um, connecting with, with other people. So coming back to what's here, what's my foundation? And, and that's a huge part of what I do is unpack with people like, what are we actually working with? And who are the voices in your head who are telling you to do certain things um, or you have to behave certain ways? And then I would just remind that person that it gets to be whatever they want. Like there's all of this stuff on top of how we're supposed to be that just like doesn't even make sense some of the time. And when you actually work with someone who can hold space for you and is loving and is willing to listen to you for you to just say like, these are the things that I'm thinking about. I can mirror back and say, well, actually, like these things don't make sense or these things are um, self-deprecating or these things aren't going, aren't empowering to you. And how can we return back to a more empowering state where you feel um, that love within yourself and you don't have to subscribe to everyone else's way of being? So true. So true. How much our own familial relationships or even friends sometimes when you're surrounded by the same group of friends all the time and you look at their dynamics and you start to take that on like you said like is this true is this my belief and how can I listen to my own self my intuition what I want it's it's not easy and that's why I definitely recommend hiring someone like Jenna because you will work through this stuff well Jenna I think we're gonna have to have you back for part two because there is let's do it so much to cover but I know people are going to want to work with you. So can you let everybody know how to find you and get in touch? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Jeaner Mill. So it's J-E-A-N-E-R-M-I-L-L. Um, and I am doing one-on-ones. The I work one-to-one primarily with people. And you can um, book a discovery chat. It's really just like a, a tea conversation for us to see if it's a good fit. And um, for me, it's really about safety so like how can I create an experience for you to meet me and to talk about these things that maybe you've never opened your mouth about before um before booking in a session and just kind of feeling into my energy and feeling into who I am and how I can like hold a space for you um before you book that experience to come and you know financially commit to something so um that's there but also my prices are accessible um I'm not hiding anything from you and on those calls I'm not trying to slip you into um anything so that is there and then I also have monthly workshops um where uh, they're referred to as the dancing and the feminine workshops which are really like a virtual hangout for people to connect on and to embody the feminine energy so um like we said kind of the vastness of all of those different archetypes uh, we bring in some movement, some guided meditation, um, some dialoguing, and really just gather in sisterhood to to play and to connect um, in this world where things are weird. Through these last uh, this last year, I really just um, and I am excited to create spaces where people feel um, empowered to come and be themselves in. And I have done both your workshops and one-on-one and both of them are absolutely amazing. So you guys can't go wrong with either one you choose. 
it's obviously what you desire a group there's more of the community aspect and it's definitely more of like collaboration where one-on-one it's like okay we can talk about me my relationship my (laughs) own sexuality so it's really what you prefer and both are amazing options exactly by the way thank you yeah and by the way guys jenna is going to be a guest expert in self-care queen so she is doing a whole day with us that thursday which is january 28th i believe she's going to be talking all about this feminine energy and embodiment and how it can all relate to self-care so i am stoked for that i cannot wait to have you and i know the people inside are already so excited as well i can't wait either i'm so excited that beyonce is coming out we're going to play. It's going to be so much fun. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I am so excited. Okay, y'all. Well, you know where to find Jenna and me and make sure to tag us either on your Instagram stories, or if you want to upload it into any social media platform, let us know what your favorite takeaway was and you know where to find Jenna and me. And I will link this all in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Jenna. This is a blast. Thanks. Bye. Bye.